The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, in this season of Lent, as we make our way toward your Son's cross, help us to reflect on what that means and how we are being called. In Christ we pray. Amen. Today's the first Sunday in this season of Lent, and every year in the first Sunday of the season of Lent, we find ourselves out in the wilderness. The gospel story every year on that first, this first Sunday of Lent is the story about when Jesus um, is out in the wilderness, where he's out there for 40 days, and while he's out there, Satan, or the accuser, tempts him. Now, before we look into this story a bit, I'd like to kind of poke around a little bit what it means to be tempted. What is a temptation? Not the group. <laughs> wow, that actually, oh, thanks Marjorie. <laughs> you're, new, you're new to my bad jokes, aren't you? Um, temptation. The temptation is the um, lure, perhaps, to act or do or be in a way other than who we are or who we aspire to be. Uh, for instance, a couple of for instances. Let's say I go to the doctor to have a physical. Um, I go to Dr. Farley and Dr. Farley says, Scott, you're 20 pounds overweight and you need to lose weight. And if you don't lose weight, and he goes into this long litany of bad things that are going to happen to me health-wise, well, certainly I don't want that to happen. So I say, well, okay, uh, Dr. Farley, I do want to lose weight. So he gives me a list of food. To not eat. <laughs> and the top of the list is ice cream. Well, I come home and Beth had gone to Kroger that day, let's say, and had bought some uh, ice cream. It was on sale, Briars, um, chocolate cookie dough ice cream. Well, I'm poking around in the fridge. I open up the freezer and there it is. Chocolate cookie dough ice cream. That's temptation to act in a way other than who I want to be. Here's another one. One of my, if not my, greatest role in life is, um, is the husband of Beth. Well, let's say I'm out one day and this young gal comes up and starts flirting with me and she wants me to be her boyfriend. <laughs> now, 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 see... See, the extreme laughter <laughs> lets me know that you know the ridiculousness of that. But there is that lure that could be there. Tempted. Y'all laughed. You laughed too long. You laughed too long at that one. Um, so I'm going to move along. Let's look at this story. Now, if you notice when Tim was reading, the story as Mark tells it is, is a lot shorter and different than Matthew and Luke. And perhaps if you're familiar with the story, you know in Matthew and Luke it talks about there's three temptations of things that, G, that, you know, that Satan throws upon Jesus. I'm not going to reference that a little bit one time, but I want to stick to Mark because that's really how we should do it is stick with the text in front of us. Jesus has just come out of the water of baptism. And when he comes out, and, and we've read this story at least once in the last few weeks, 
As he comes out of the water, um, the Spirit descends on him, and then there's a voice from heaven. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then he's put out into the wilderness, where he'd be tempted. The wilderness. What is the wilderness? The wilderness, it could be a physical place, or it could be a metaphysical place. It could be right where you're at, but it's a place where all the certainties and the truisms of life are gone. All the props that you've set up about how life should be and how life is good, all of them are gone. It's a time where we are shaken to the core and we have to reflect on who we are as a person. For Jesus, and this is where I'm going to throw in a little bit of the Matthew and Luke. For Jesus, Satan three different times would say, well, if you are the Son of God, then do this. Each time, Jesus would in effect say, I know that's who I am because that is how God has told me that I am and therefore I will trust God. I won't act out on my own. God will leave me. There's a giggle. Was it you, Billy? <laughs> yeah. I don't, now I don't know what I was saying. Um, I, I don't. Oh, the temptation of if you are, in other words, act other than who he is. And Jesus says, no. And I like how Mark says this story. It says that now in, in Matthew and Luke, um, after Jesus is baptized, it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Here it says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, as in pushing him in that way. And the reason why I like that is because it's a reminder that the wilderness is not a place where anyone would want to go on their own. Not even Jesus. Because it is a place of testing. It's a, test, it's a, it's a place that is going to get rid of all our safety valves. All that we know for sure about life is going to be taken from us. And we're going to be tested and see who we are and who wants to do that. Very often we're thrown into times of wilderness without any notice. Times when we struggle. When we have lots of questions. And there's no easy answers that come forth. Perhaps it might be in the hospital room. When you hear word from the doctor that the test came back bad. It might be the sudden loss of a loved one. Or even a non-sudden loss of a loved one. Maybe it is the final breaking of a relationship that you had hoped would turn around and would get better. Maybe it's the news that you didn't get the job that you really, really, really hoped you would get. Some crisis happens, it shakes you to the core, and you're thrown out into the wilderness to struggle and to wonder what is going on. The wilderness is a place that no one, not even Jesus, would ever want to go into. 
And also to remind us, those situations, those crises, they're not caused by God. God does not take this person from us. Things happen. We are thrown into crisis. And perhaps we might sense how God is present with us. But it takes a while. The wilderness can last a long time. For Jesus, it was 40 days. We don't know if Jesus knew how long it was going to last, but 40 days without the food and drink is a long time. And to be tempted and tested all along the way, that's a long time. Maybe it reminds us that, especially in a society that wants a quick fix, that sometimes the wilderness will stay longer than we want it to. And it might be times where we ask questions of why is this happening? Or God, have you forgotten about me? How long, oh God? And if you ever think it's bad or wrong to ask such questions, open up the book of Psalms. You'll see over and over and over the psalmist shaking his fist at God and asking those questions. The wilderness is a struggle. And it's hard to remember in those times, just who we are, loved children of God. And another part that I like about Mark, and only Mark has, is when it says, driven out into the wilderness, he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And here's a part that's, that's not in the other ones. And he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Who? What? are these wild beasts. And man, if you want to ever explore the internet about what people may say the wild beasts were, you can get a lot of crazy, I mean, just, well, in my opinion, really nutty thoughts on that, none of which are really relevant. Wild beasts, what are wild beasts? Perhaps they are very physical things that could easily rip Jesus to shreds, but obviously doesn't. Why not? Maybe because Jesus was protected from those wild beasts. Maybe they couldn't get at him. Or maybe those wild beasts were calmed down in the presence of Jesus so that the new creation that Jesus was bringing about was already starting. I don't know what the wild beasts were, and that's the part I don't really want to talk about. I want to talk about the angels. The angels came and waited on him. Now our culture has a fascination with angels and who they are and what they are and how they act and where they are and all that stuff. And frankly, I don't know how angels work, if angels work at all. At least the kind that we like to talk about in our culture. I think sometimes it may just be the human desire for that. And maybe that is true. I think one thing that Scripture definitely says is that angels are messengers from God, sending whatever God might want to send. I think in the wilderness, as Jesus had the angels among him, it says that the angels waited on him. That word wait is the word serve or diakoneo, which we get the word deacon. In other words, the angels served him and cared for him and provided for his needs. How did they do that? We don't know. Perhaps to comfort him. 
Perhaps to just offer solace in the hard time of wrestling against the temptations he would face. Perhaps it was just to say, Jesus, let's play cards tonight. Or maybe, Jesus, listen to this joke I heard. Maybe it was just an occasion to take a break from the hardness. Maybe that's what the angels came and did. Why I like this notion of the angels coming to Jesus is because when we live in times of our own wilderness, the angels might come. Think of time. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to do a couple things today. I'm going to have you think on and Then I'm going to sit down and let you think on a little bit. Think of a time when you went through a time of wilderness, a time of sudden loss, a time of crisis, a time when you wondered what in the world was going to happen next. Everything was so uncertain. Think on that. You don't have to take long. Just think a second, five, ten seconds. And then think about who came into your life in special ways to walk with you, to Hold your hand through that. To just sit with you. To cry with you. To help make you laugh again. Who let you know in their presence and in their actions, they served you and cared for you. And in effect, reminded you that you are a loved child of God. In other words, who were the angels that tended to you? I'll lift up just a short example of my own, an example you've heard, I guess, before. Um, when I was working in a church in Cleveland, Tennessee, First Christian Church in Cleveland, uh, my first wife, Beth, I mean, Beth, Beth's my wife now, Sue, <laughs> I know, two out of three, baby, we're good. <laughs> Sue and I decided we were going to get divorced. Nothing steamy, no nothing. It was just two friends from college that after we got out of college, well, let's get married, which was dumb. So we divorced as friends. And of course, not to talk on that part, but to talk about, I'd never been in a church where a minister had been divorced. And of course, this was all brand new to me. And in the town I lived in, which was a very, very conservative town, um, they did not look on divorced people at all, much less ministers. So my whole thought was, what in the world am I going to do? The first angel was the board chair for my church, Nick Grisham. Nick um, talked with the elders. He talked, actually talked to me, and he talked to Sue. And then one Sunday after church, after the news had been announced that I was, we were getting divorced and Sue was already gone, um, he asked me to go. And he talked to the congregation and in effect told them that this congregation with the backing of the elders was going to love and support Scott and love and support Sue through all this time. And they did. Nick was an angel to me. Another angel in that time was a lady named Kathy. I started going to a divorce recovery group down in Chattanooga. Um, hard to do that because, um, you know, I'm supposed to be perfect and have all the answers. But I met a, a friend there. I mean, we were just friends. Her name's Kathy, and Kathy and I hung out. She'd gone through a horrible divorce. So there'd be times where I would help comfort her. Other times she would help comfort me, and we'd talk on the phone. Or, you know, instead of wanting to sit home and waddle or just in our sadness all night, we'd say, hey, come on, let's go. We're going to go to the divorce recovery. Then we'll go out and have a beer or two. Kathy was an angel for me. 
And how have people been angels to you in your own wilderness time? And now, I hope you think of somebody, if you haven't, and not so much who, but how. Because I want to turn this on you. How might you be an angel for someone who is living in a time of wilderness right now? How might you give comfort and solace? How might you give hope and encouragement? How might you just sit with that person as they live in their time in the wilderness? How might you offer real reminders in your actions that they are loved children of God? You know, the season of Lent, we had this thing where you have an opportunity to, to give up and to take up. I was going to try to do some of that today, but I'm not. Maybe I'll do it next week. But here's something I would encourage you to think about this week in relation to this um, giving and taking up and also how you might be an angel to someone. What might you give up this week? Perhaps it's time, effort. What's something you might stop doing this week for a time? And in the place of what you give up, take up some, something so that you might serve the needs of someone who is in the wilderness. How might you be an angel? And remind that person that that person's a loved child of God. I'm going to sit down in a minute and hopefully you'll spend that time thinking about that. Now to kind of help you in your thinking, I listed a few places you might consider. Look on this long prayer list that we have. And think of someone, not someone that you know all that well and that you reach out to all the time, but someone else that you might reach out to in some sort of way to let them know that they are a loved child of God in their wilderness time. Another thing, consider some of the events in the news and how they might be affecting some people. This past week, the tragic shooting in Florida, which was supposed to be in the bulletin, it's not. On Facebook that night, and it was Ash Wednesday, there were several teachers at my kids' school, at Second Street School, posting, scared to death. How might someone be an angel to one of those teachers or kids? Another one. Now, we know the command, and our kids in my baptism class knows it because we said it today. We know that command that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, consider that literally for a moment. Who lives right around you? Who works right near you? Who is in your class at school? Who might be living in their own wilderness moment right now? And how might you be an angel to that person? How might you give up and take up to let that person know that they are a loved child of God? And we'll sit down for a moment and let you think on that and then we'll sing our hymn of invitation. Now let us stand and sing. <clears throat>